Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Boston Nerdy's Rush Hour, my friends. Special, special treat today. With us is a, a gentleman that I do a podcast with every week. The podcast is called The Future Is Now. If you haven't heard of it, you should. And you can find it on WABC's website or wherever you get your podcast. James Eisenberg is a genius, ladies and gentlemen. He came up, well, I'm going to let him tell you about his background. I'll say this. He came up through the Internet. He's one of those Silicon Valley guys, right? But that's not all. And now he is the founder and managing partner of Interblock Capital. Well, they deal with the new emerging technology, the new emerging thing, crypto, Web3, all of it. James Eisenberg, welcome to Boston Early's Rush Hour. Good to be here, Bo. You have an amazing background. You're a Yale graduate, <laughs> which a lot of people hear Yale or Harvard, and they're like, oh, he's a lefty. <laughs> <laughs> But you're not. You're a businessman, and you're an innovator. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into tech, and what you're doing now, which brought us together. Sure. Well, I grew up on Long Island, and I, I was a computer science guy in high school, kind of an earlier earlier uh, look at the computer science industry in, like, the 80s, so that dates me a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I ended up going to college and studying uh, CS and engineering and, and bounced around a little bit doing some programming. Found my way out to Silicon Valley after grad school. I got to get my MBA at Yale. And I landed at Netscape just by real, just sheer luck and got to see the, the beginnings of the Internet and how that whole industry grew out of the 90s. And I, I never thought I would have a chance to go through that experience again but boom, 2016, I came by the Winklevoss twins, uh, who are Facebook fame and, and now run uh, Gemini in, uh, in New York, which is a big crypto exchange. And I started talking about Bitcoin and, and blockchain, which is the architecture that Bitcoin is built on. And immediately the light bulbs went on. And I said, wow, this is the Internet all over again. Mm, wow. And so here we are now. James, a lot of people are deathly afraid when they hear the words cryptocurrency. Should they be? <laughs> well, if you're listening to mainstream media, yes. <laughs> because if you look at mainstream media, just over the last, like, say, seven days, uh, the headlines from you know all the big media companies, stay away from crypto. Crypto, dangerous. The FBI just put out a, a headline saying that, Retail investors should avoid crypto, and uh, you've got all sorts of politicians that are afraid of it, that people are going to get scammed and lose all their money, and the SEC is super busy suing all these crypto companies. So that's what's in the news. So, yeah, you would be afraid. Now, if you're in the industry, you would be excited because in the industry, the news that we get is MasterCard there's a worldwide agreement with crypto, making it available in 90 point of sale, 90 million point of sale locations. 
right? The news we get talks about how Warren Buffett just made a massive multi-hundred million dollar investment in the largest crypto bank in South America. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 James. Wait, wait. Warren Buffett was one of the guys that was warning us off off of crypto. Yeah, he he called Bitcoin uh, rat poison squared, I think, or Charlie. (laughs) One of the two called in. And he said, if, if you gave me all the Bitcoin in the world, I wouldn't take it for $25. Well, why do you put three or $400 million into a crypto bank? <laughs> you know, so but you have to kind of set aside what the mainstream media is talking about. And you have to look a little bit deeper because if you don't, you're going to miss this. Because JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and Fidelity and all the big financial institutions from the legacy finance industry, they're all building crypto rails right now. They're all building crypto products. They're all hiring thousands of crypto people, even while people like Jamie Dimon are in the news frequently talking about how Bitcoin is a fraud and crypto is a scam. Well, his bank is certainly buying lots of it and trading lots of it for their high net worth customers. So it's okay if you're wealthy, but it's not okay if you're just a regular investor. And and what I saw on the internet was the early investors made the fortunes. And crypto has this funny thing about it in that it doesn't it, – it, it uses a, a, a currency known as tokens. They also – some of them also do have equity, but a lot of them just trade on tokens. And the funny thing about this is that these tokens are similar in character to um, a venture capital investment because you are making a very early bet, if you will – on technology. And you can see, and we have seen certainly in our portfolio and other people have seen their portfolios, returns that are 10x, 20x, 30x in your investments. Now, that's not the norm. And you can certainly lose all your money. So this is any kind of investment advice. But what I'm just saying is, look, there's something more here than what you're hearing in the headlines. Mm. Now, that brings us to something else. People now have a are being bombarded if they read the, the newspapers, if they're still trying to keep up with things. There are so many new terms now. You hear terms like blockchain. You hear these terms about crypto. You hear terms like DeFi and, and Meta. In fact, Facebook changed its name to Meta. And a lot of people that are not following this, why did they change to Meta? What is Meta? James, can you walk us through what this new future is looking like? What are some of these things? If you're an average consumer, you're not paying attention to it. You still walk around and you pay for all your your groceries with with cash money and and whatever. By the way, there was a story the other day that a lot of Americans now forced to to use new apps to pay for their groceries on installment, but that's a different story. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. So, so, okay. So if you, if you take a step back and you look at the whole industry, starting from when I was in the internet in the nineties, that was considered web one. And back then you had like basically a billboard, right? It was a magazine. You go to, a, you go this new thing, the internet, and you basically see a magazine. It was a one to many uh, interaction. Then you had web two come out, you know, post 2000. And this was a, an uh, uh, explosion of blogging and e-commerce and all sorts of uh, two-way interactions where it, the web became uh, social. This was sort of the social web. This is explosion of Facebook and explosion of Twitter and, and, and YouTube right? and all the, all, the, all, the, all the platforms that we use today. Well, blockchain is Web3. And what characterizes Web3 
is that if you think about Web 2, we all have created the content that those very few companies sell, and they sell it to Madison Avenue, and it, 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 they make hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars on the content that the people create, and the people get – wait, let me think about this um, – nothing. <laughs> okay? So there's a, there's a 100% take rate and a 0% that goes back to the user. Even all the content is theirs. And what makes it even worse and really a kick in the teeth is that if you're one of these influencers that have built up hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions of followers, one person inside any of these companies can decide – we don't like this person anymore because they're talking about stuff that we disagree with. So we're going to deplatform that push a button vanished. Like, like we turned off Russia's money, like Canada turned off their people's money. They can just turn you off. And now you're, you're out on the curb. And what do you do? You get an email. It says, Oh, you've been deplatformed. Um, you can click this link and, and go through this process and yada, yada. And Why, you, that you know, they could, don't reinstate people. That could even happen to the president of the United States. <laughs> no. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can't do that in a fully decentralized platform. You, there is no one person in charge. So this is a very, if you think about this, this is a very revolutionary concept where you actually have a town square where one person can't decide who can enter and who can't enter. There's no, there's, on a truly decentralized platform, and I say this because you can also have centralized blockchain, but in a truly decentralized platform, you do not have censorship. And all of a sudden, this opens up a real conversation that we can hear all different sides of an argument, and the people will decide, you know, in, in aggregate, like a true democratic process, which is not what we have with these for-profit companies that decide who can be there and who can't be there. Now, the economic part is even more exciting because as a user, you're also a creator and you create content. There are artists and musicians and great writers and all sorts of entrepreneurs creating businesses that you can now do inside of these new social networks, which are going to be called the metaverse. And these metaverses have these artifacts in them. So think about anyone who's played a video game. There's an opportunity for you to spend money. And you spend money, you buy different skins, you buy special powers, you buy status. And that money that you're spending to buy these aspects, which are all virtual, and they virtually have you know, zero marginal cost to create millions of them once, once they've been you know, created digitally, all that money goes back to the video game companies or the companies that run the social networks today where these, these um, e-commerce, virtual e-commerce products are sold. This is huge business, Bo. This is not small business. Right. We're talking about trillions of dollars worldwide. Thank you, James Eisenberg. The future is now. Bo Snurley is right now. Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. James, thank you so much. We're going to send people as many. Look, folks, I'm not kidding. If you want to be up on the new thing. What is happening now? It's emerging right now. Visit our podcast. That's just, this is just, this interview is just a taste of what you get every week. Thanks again, James. Okay, I'll see you on the podcast, Bo. All righty. Bye.